0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at Westonroadchurch.com/slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Just before we jump into the message today, we start our seven days of prayer and fasting, and I'm excited about that. As difficult as it is, I'm excited about that. And I know it's not fun, and so I don't expect you to be jumping and cheering, but I know that it's, it's, it's beneficial, and you will know for yourself, if you've ever spent time fasting and praying, that God shows up in, in oftentimes unexpected ways. And this morning, I just want to share with you uh, some information as we get started on how the next seven days or how the next week will go, and so today... As of this point, we're launching into our fasting time. And we will end it next Sunday again, right here in our service with communion. And some people do a Daniel fast, a 21-day fast. Uh, Other people have different ideas. But biblically speaking, when we read about a fast, it's typically a fast from food. We're denying the body, the physical flesh. Why? Because we're dethroning king's Stomach. Because a lot of times, uh, this guy rules a lot of the time. And, and I always think it's a good time to eat. We are purposefully going to dethrone our stomachs in this particular way. And you might, for many reasons, not be able to do uh, a, a total fast or a partial fast. But maybe you'll choose uh, to give up. Lunch, and you say I gotta do my breakfast, and dinner's important, but I'll give up my lunch. Some of you might say I I gotta eat all up until lunch, and then I'll I'll give up my dinner. Some of you, it'll look different. But here's what I'll say: Ask the Holy Spirit what it is that you need to do, and I trust, and I'm I guarantee, not I trust, I guarantee that if you listen to His voice, He will direct you, and you will know. For, For me, the way I specifically know is if it's too easy, it's probably what I think I should fast. When it's a little harder and difficult, then I say, okay, God, you got me. And and that's where I'm going to bank my time of prayer and fasting on. And so my wife, she has to do it differently. Her energy levels are different than mine with the kids at home and all of that stuff. Uh, But here's the important thing. We have to... Fasting and praying and praying and fasting comes at a cost to this physical body. And so, for me, this is uh, where I'm leading our church for this week. And I just want to share with you a few more things uh, as we go into this week. Make sure that you spend time praying. So instead of, if you're going to give up lunch, don't just sit in the cafeteria at work or at school and just kind of be like, Man, this is hard. Man, this is tempting. I wish I should have given up dinner when I'm home or breakfast would have been easier. But instead, maybe go to your car, find a quiet place and pray. Open your Bible And say, Lord, even in this hour where I'm fasting, I'm going to spend time drawing closer to you. And then, um, so read your Bible. Also pray. Make it a point to pray every single time. And if you don't schedule it, chances are you won't do it. So this is the thing. You have to put it in your calendar. And I, I say this quite often, but it's very true. If you don't fill up your calendar, other people will gladly fill it up for you. So if you don't mark out when you're going to pray and when you're going to read, set that that time aside in your calendar, chances are it's going to get filled up with something else. Other people, uh, and it has become more popular, where fasting just means, well, I'm fasting from Instagram and social media and TV. And I'd say that's one of the areas where, you should fast. But but for me, as I read scripture, it's food. Food is what we fast. And, and it's important that we understand that. And so, is it good to want to give those things up for the seven days? hundred percent. If you can, some people, your work requires you to be on Facebook, and maybe you work in that, that whole sphere. Do it, obviously. Then ask the Holy Spirit, how else you can fast? For me, when I get home, I told Priscilla, I'm not going to be turning on the TV. Because at night, it's really easy to just have something on, and it's a half-hour show. Or if you, wanna, if you binge watch Netflix, and that's your thing, and you just start at 7, and you end at midnight. And then you're like, oh, I think I should get to bed. Or maybe the, instead of you watching the TV, the TV starts watching you. Okay, that means you fall asleep. And Netflix says, you know, you wake up and it says, do you want to continue with the next episode? Because it wants to make sure you're still around. Don't do it. Give it up for the week. And say, Lord, instead of five hours of where I just fall asleep, let me open my Bible. And guess what? It's okay to fall asleep with your Bible open. I remember one time I fell asleep and the Bible with the pages open were on my oily head. And when I woke up at 2 in the morning, I, I ripped one of the pages as I pulled it off my head. But I said, Lord, I'd rather fall asleep with your word on my head than with the TV. And the reality is, let's give up something that is costly. I know for me the easiest one is food because I want it and I, and I want it every day. And there, there are different ways you can do it. You can say, well, I just won't eat sweets and chocolate. We're not going to tell you how to fast. I'm going to say, ask the Holy Spirit. And challenge your core. Read the Word of God. Look up fasting and find it. In uh, this past week, we emailed out a fasting resource guide. And, and if you want it, we'll, we posted it on Facebook. There's a link there too. Uh, all you have to do is search Weston Road Church on Facebook and you'll find us. And that link is there. And you could go and, and read through it. But here's what I say draw close to God draw close to God. And I remember doing a Daniel fast. Here was the thing, and, and we're going to move on and get to the sermon in a second. But for me, it actually became about more of a diet kind of feel, where it's like, how good can I make this food taste? How, how we can make oatmeal banana cookies, and it tastes like a real cookie. And I'm like, that's not true fasting. And that's why I really for this season, I said, we're not going to do a Daniel fast because there are recipes and websites given to how you can eat and make it taste almost like real good food. But the point of fasting is, no, we're trying to give that up to say, Lord, I would rather hunger and thirst after you in this season and put you first in my 2018. Because as we put God first in this year, I believe the rest of the year is going to be blessed. It's going to be marked with the hand of God. This is my conviction, even personally. And so this is what we do. And as a church, this is what we're doing. So we're removing any kind of uh, structure in the sense of this is what you will do. Because we are creative enough that we will find ways to make it still enjoyable. But the point of prayer and fasting is it's not enjoyable. We're denying the flesh to say yes and feed the spirit. Can you say amen? So with that being said, we are having three nights of prayer this week from 7 to 8 p.m. on Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. And our whole theme this year for prayer and fasting is found in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And I really felt the Lord really clearly give me this verse as our theme for this week. And it simply says this in the latter part of verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11... He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And that's simply what we're coming to church to do. We're going to come to seek Him. There's no other agenda. There's no sermon. I might give an exhortation in the very beginning. But the whole point of this coming week for us as a church is that we are going to seek Him. And there's a promise in the Bible that when we seek Him with all of our heart... It says in Jeremiah 29 that we will find him. We will find him. And that is what we are going to do this week. So plan. If you have something and you say, well, I promised so-and-so, cancel it. Tell them I have something even more important that came up. And you come to church and you put God first. Why? Because then he will have an opportunity to bless and to have his hand over the rest of 2018. So I don't know about you. But if there's an ounce of wisdom in my head, I would say that's a pretty good idea to to come to church and to make it out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's a small investment that you can make in the beginning of the year that will have a whole bunch of dividends and returns for the rest of the year. So at church, I encourage you, I'm going to be here, come and meet me. But it's not about meeting me, it's about let's seek the Lord together while he can still be found. Can you say amen? Let us do it. So, this morning, uh, as we kick off into 2018, I'm going to start a series for the, it'll lead us right through the month of January called All In. So, we're starting a new series called All In. And to launch us into this series called All In, the message title today is A Spirit of Urgency. A Spirit of Urgency. You see, many of us, And especially those who don't know the Lord live like we're going to be around forever. And they live as if this is the most important part of life. My assignment today is to remind you about the urgency of this hour in which we live. I personally believe in the prophetic time clock that we are in the 11th hour on a 12-hour clock. That we are living in truly the last days. And with God's help today, I want to show you why. Not not stuff that I come up with, but in in looking at the Word of God, we're going to, with God's help, understand for ourselves what that actually looks like, feels like. And I remember in 1997, there was a blockbuster movie that came out called The Titanic. How many of you have seen that one at least once? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you saw it like five times? Thank you for your honesty. I think I was about three or four. And uh, I don't know, something about the movie gripped me. Maybe it was the love story, because I was still young and single. Maybe, though, it was really how something so devastating happened to a bunch of unsuspecting people. And there were people on board who actually said this, Not even God himself can sink this ship. And, and there was a lot of pride around its maiden voyage. And the reality is it never even made it to the, the dock. To, it never finished its journey. And there's a story about the iceberg warnings that were sent. And I want to share that with you. The iceberg warnings went unheeded. The Titanic received multiple warnings about ice fields in North Atlantic over the wireless system. But it's reported that the last and most specific warning was not passed along by senior radio operator Jack Phillips to Captain Smith. Apparently because it didn't carry the prefix MSG, which stands for Master's Service Gram. Having those three letters would have required a personal acknowledgement from the captain. So basically, when they send out a message with MSG, the captain, once he reads it, has to respond confirming that he received it. But that last and final warning about the icebergs didn't have that prefix for some reason. So Phillips, who was the operator, interpreted it as non-urgent and returned to sending passenger messages to the receiver on shore at Cape Race, Newfoundland, before it went out of range. And it's interesting Nowadays, we have text messages. In those days, they needed an operator to relay those messages from passengers back to the shore. But it's interesting that Philip, this guy, the operator, didn't interpret that message as being urgent. You could be here today and hear the words that I'm going to share. And according to your own personal interpretation, you say, eh. It's not urgent. The reality is the iceberg, well, the the Titanic struck the iceberg, and regardless of whether he thought it was urgent or not, it sunk the ship. And today, what I'm sharing with you, you might say, I don't believe the Bible, or I don't hold it as a a standard in my life. That's okay if that's your, your position, but it doesn't change the reality of the book and what God has said will come to pass and here's one thing about bible prophecy as we get into it this morning is that over 80 percent of the bible the prophetic words given in the bible have already come to pass and if the first 80 percent came to pass don't you think the last and final 20 percent would also come to pass i mean if you don't need to believe in god just do the math and if 80% happened, I'm sure the 20 will also happen as well. So that's just some perspective for us as we dig into the Word today. So if you have your Bible, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 24? Matthew chapter 24. And we'll begin reading at verse 27. Would you stand to your feet with me as well as we do that in honor of God's Word we're talking about a spirit of urgency. And in chapter 24, they actually asked Jesus, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So that's the question that they were asking Jesus in verse 3. Now we're going to start reading at verse 27. And let me just flip that page. And here's what it says. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, So it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Jump to verse 32. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Verse 33. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near. Right at the door. And now jump to verse 36. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the urgency that we find when we read Matthew 24. And Luke, when we, it talks about the end times. And God, I pray this morning... That you would quicken our hearts. May we not be so eager to just move on from this point. But Father, to heed the message that we are about to hear from your spirit. Let us hear what your spirit is saying. And Father, mostly I pray that we would sense that we are living in the final hour. And that we shouldn't be comfortable. But there should be a spirit of urgency rising up within us. And Lord, I just ask now for a strong anointing upon me as I share this word of truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my mind, my heart, and my mouth, that I would speak your word only. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in Matthew 24, in the in the verses that we read, it likens Jesus' coming, The another word is the parousia in the Greek, to... Uh, a flash of lightning in the sky. I don't know if you've ever opened your window. Some people are terrified and would never imagine doing so. But in a storm, to just look out at the dark sky, and when the, the, the bolt of lightning hits, it just like... And it lights the whole sky. And Jesus is saying that's how it's going to be when the Son of Man is getting ready to return. It's going to be obvious, number one, and it will be suddenly... It'll happen suddenly, and it will be obvious. Secondly, in verse 28, he said, Well, just like you see vultures flying around in a circle, you know that there's probably a carcass down below, and they're about to have a feast. He said, In the same way you can tell that, you can tell, you can discern the time when my return will be. And he said, You'll be able to take note of it. And then we jump to verse 32 to take it even further, is the fig tree. And he says, you look at the fig tree, you see the bud coming out of the branch, and then you see the leaves sprouting out, and then you know summer is, is just a couple of weeks away, or a month or two away. In the same way, he said, you can know that the time is near, in fact, right at the door. And then it goes on to say, but nobody knows the day or the hour. And that's true, for the angels don't know. And Scripture tells us that not even Jesus knows, but only who knows? The Father knows. Only the Father knows. So I'm not here today to predict when and give you a date. And, a, and, a, and a, No, I'm not here to do that at all. In fact, we shouldn't get excited about, oh, someone said in 1988, you know, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back. I, I look at that and say, well, not really. We're still here. It's 2017. But here's what I am saying. That we can look at the world and its condition today. And and we read it in Matthew 24. And as we look, it's like those vultures flying around. It's like the the, the buds coming up on the fig leaf. And we say, you know what? The signs are all pointing that it is closer. And it is at hand. And in fact, right at the door. And with God's help... In looking at Revelation chapter 13, I'm, I'm going to do my best to parallel things that I've begun to see in the world. Which, which should create in us a spirit of urgency today. And it's not a spirit of fear. Because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and of a sound mind. Can I get a witness? So this is not a message to instill fear. But when I read these things in scripture, it motivates me that I need a spirit of urgency, that I need to be busy because the time is short. And here, Craig Rochelle in his leadership podcast, says this. He said, like, we like success and we celebrate wins, but the problem with success is that it kills momentum or it kills urgency. Now, let me liken it to our renovation project here. It took six months or so to finish the project, but guess what? We were highly motivated, and there was this sense of urgency to start, but especially once you start to finish, amen? So we, we, want, like, we want to be back here in the building, and thank God we are now. But there was this motivation and this, this ongoing sense of urgency, like every minute of every hour of every day and of every week and of every month counts so that we can get back in here. But now that we're here, it's like, yay, success. But it crushes now all of that sense of urgency and perhaps motivation. But today, it's just a great reminder that this building is not what we're actually uh, motivated about. It's already done. But we, if we're not careful, we could just say we made it and here we are. And then we just relax now. But we need even more now than a month ago this increasing spirit of urgency because the hour is short and the day is short and his return is right at hand. And so this has to motivate us as the church. That's why we're fasting and praying this week, not just to seek his face and draw closer, although that's a big part of it, but guess what? As you draw closer to him, he draws closer to you. You begin to hear the heartbeat of God in a new way, and a spirit of urgency continues. And it goes on and on and on. And that's why we live close to the Father, because I don't want to be here to do my thing. I want to be here to accomplish His will and purpose for my life on the earth. And that's why we're here. So uh, geopolitically, the central focus of end-time events is Jerusalem. Geopolitically, so geographically, And politically, it's Jerusalem. That's why it was a big deal back in December when the U.S. president, Donald Trump, said, no, as Americans, we recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And they moved their embassy from Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. Well, they didn't actually do it. They say it would take probably the next three or four years for that to be all done and completed. But nevertheless, it it has begun. It has a starting point. And there was a lot of uprising, and there was a lot of noise around this one thing. And you know what I found interesting in the midst of all of this? A lot of journalists were were wondering, why are Christians so excited about this? Why are Christians uh, so interested in, in what just happened and what Donald Trump as the U.S. president announced? You see, the world might call it politics, but as believers who, who understand the Word of God, who are concerned with the Word of God, it's not politics. We, we see it as prophetic. Can you say amen? So we have to understand when we're talking about the end times, and you could read the book of Daniel, read the book of Revelation. By, by the way, the Bible in Revelation says anyone who studies this book is blessed, so it's good to even read the book of Revelation as confusing as it might look or seem, or scary for some. But the world might call it politics, but we know it as prophetic. Why? Because Jerusalem is the key. Jerusalem is a a special place when we begin to talk about end-time Bible prophecy. And I don't claim to be an expert. I'm just trying to be a student of God's Word. And and if no one stands at this pulpit and, and shares this information with you, and it's not just information, this is God's living and active word, then who else are you going to hear it from? It's not a popular message to talk about the end times or having a spirit of urgency. But I'm going to do it anyway. Can somebody say amen? So if you have your Bible, would you turn to Revelation chapter 13? Some of you maybe never even cracked that far in your Bible, but that's okay. Revelation chapter 13, the last book In the Bible, and I just want to jump through some verses, but chapter 13 heavily focuses on the person called the Antichrist, the Antichrist or another name for it is the beast. And maybe you've heard something or watched a movie at one time in your life. Uh, and you you know the 666 and all this kind of stuff and, and you have no idea what it's about well just listen and I'm gonna do my best to explain it in the most simplest terms as we can understand today so Revelation 13 verse 2 starting there says this this beast looked like a leopard but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne And great authority. So in this verse, the dragon is Satan, and the beast is the Antichrist. And so the the dragon, Satan, gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. So the Antichrist is a figure that is gonna come to the scene, and especially during the seven years of the Great Tribulation. I'm not gonna get into all of that. But I'm going to be talking particularly now as we look at how really how close are we to the end, till Jesus comes again. This is why we have to read this passage. So the Antichrist will receive great authority, not from God, but from Satan. And look at verse 3 and 4 with me. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. As a result of that miracle, the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power. So we see worship of the Antichrist and people pledging allegiance to this particular ruler called the Antichrist. And then also... We see that they worship in verse 4, the dragon, Satan, for giving the beast such power. And they also worship the beast. Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? And then jump to verse 7. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over, get this, every tribe and people and language And nation. So you may have heard it said, oh, one world government, a one world government. Or a new world order, and it'll be a one world government. And you say, but how could that be possible? Because every single country, and there are many on this world, in this earth, are so unique and different. And how we understand Bible prophecy is there's going to be such great tribulation during the great tribulation, that countries, as we know it, will have a hard time. There'll be disaster. They, they will be looking for help in every and any direction. And I, and I believe that that's when the person called Antichrist is going to rise to the scene. He will have, like we, re, we just read it, great authority. And he will have answers. He will be able to perform miracles. He said his head was wounded and it, it was a miraculous. It, it was healed. And then... We see the nations of the world, verse 7, we just read it, will begin to pledge allegiance and worship the beast and Satan for giving the beast this authority, this power. And so he will come and he will have answers where countries have no government, no answers, don't know how to fix the problems. And he will come and establish this, this government, this new rule on the earth. As we move on to verses 16 and 17, listen to this. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Verse 17, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. That's where we get the 666. If you read the next verse, you'll see it there. But nobody could buy or sell unless they have this mark. Now, I'm taking something that you maybe saw in a cheesy old movie in church in the 80s, early 90s maybe even. Maybe you've read it in a book or heard people or preachers talk about it. But today, with God's help, I'm going to show you that that technology is available already today. So this is, this is I'm not just saying, well, it is at hand, because the Bible says it's at hand. As I read, as I look, as I listen, as I try to discern the signs of the times, I've come to the conclusion, Lord, this is, I, I can't even believe it, but we're right there. So let me talk about technology for a second, because I love technology. With my phone, I can just pay with a tap, right? We all get that. Android Pay, Apple Pay. Um, There was a video that came out. I came across it last year. It was fairly new at that time, Um, but the the technology has existed for a while, RFID, Radio Frequency ID. And it's the size of a grain of rice, which is very tiny. And uh, I believe it was in Switzerland or in Sweden, one of those two countries, where this guy had one of his other geek buddies Program this little RFID chip so that it could communicate with his NFC cell phone, near field communication. And he said, basically, I want I'll still have my phone around, but I want to put that little chip the size of a grain of rice and be able to use it as I would tap my phone. I'll just tap my hand. And guess what? He did it, and there's a video. If you Google it, you'll find I think BuzzFeed showed the video. And and I watched, and he had it for a whole month and processed transactions. So you watch that video, which I watched it for myself. I think I even posted it on my Facebook timeline. And then you read what we just read in Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17. And then suddenly the light goes off. And you say, wow, the technology is already existing. What's next? Well, let me share with you this, that we talked about a one-world government, but there will also be a, most likely a one-world currency. And you say, well, how can that be? It's crazy, and there, every country has so many different currencies and all of this. Well, has anyone here ever heard of Bitcoin? If you listen to the news a little bit, you'll hear about Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum. There are altcoins, like Litecoin. Like You, you can dive into that whole thing blockchain technology. It's all centered around the same thing. And someone in the church asked me, uh, Pastor, what do you think? Is it wrong to invest in Bitcoin? And I said, no, I personally don't think it's wrong. Um, I mean, you can use anything for good or evil. I can use my phone for good or I can use it for evil. A computer, the same thing. My television, the same thing. I can use a car to get my family from A to B or I can hit someone with it. Right? So, I don't think it's personally wrong to invest in these cryptocurrencies but I do believe that this technology, again we're going back to technology, will pave the way for one world currency. And the whole thing about uh, cryptocurrency is it's decentralized. So it's not like the, the big banks in America or in Canada who control the flow of cash or the government. It's decentralized. There's no central authority on this kind of money. And so it is possible, when you're talking about digital or cryptocurrencies, to have a one-world currency. And guess what? It's cashless. It's virtual. And then it makes total sense why it could be on a chip on your hand. I'm not trying to spin, like, theories. I'm just looking at technology and saying, the connection to me is so clear and simple. If I could pay with my phone, I can easily pay with this. But here's the thing. We won't be around for that. As Pentecostals, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And I'm going to share with you why. So we read in Revelation 13 about all of this stuff that's going to happen. It's not going to be a good time for those who miss the rapture of the church. It's not going to be a good time. Seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half years because they are split up in the Bible, 42 months each, are going to be rough, but not as bad as the last three and a half years. You see, we talked about Jerusalem, and the Antichrist will set up his throne once he has all the nations of the world looking at him. He'll be in Jerusalem, and there'll be the desecration of the temple where he is going to claim that he himself is God. Here's the thing. He'll make a peace treaty with Israel, and it'll look good, but then he's going to break it. And then at a certain point, is from that point on, it's, it's chaos. And so it'll look good in the beginning as this great tribulation starts. But I can assure you, a lot of people will be deceived. And here's the beauty. And I'm going to back it up with Scripture and, and how I get this position for us as Pentecostals. We as Pentecostals understand that we will not be around during the great tribulation. There are people who believe In a pre-tribulation rapture, that's what we believe as Pentecostals. Or a mid-trib or post-trib, post-tribulation. And so when we look at Scripture, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you want, take notes or flip there quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says this. And you know what is holding him back. Who is him? The Antichrist. Let me just say two more things as we continue to read. I believe that the Antichrist will be a political figure. And obviously we read it that he will have great authority. So he will rise as a political leader. He'll have answers that other nations are are not having and they're looking for help. He will come and it'll look good, but it's not good. And then secondly, I also believe... That the Antichrist is alive in the world today and waiting in the wings. This is my personal belief. I don't read it in scripture. But as I'm looking at the vultures flying around, seeing the buds on the fig tree starting to bud, I'd say this person has to be alive and, and he's just waiting on the wings. But as we read 2 Thessalonians, here's where we understand an important and powerful truth about God's church So verse 6, 2 Thessalonians 2. If you're with me, say amen. And you know what is holding him, the Antichrist, back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. And it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. So what is the one or who is the one that is holding him back And I submit to you that it's the church, the rapture of the church. And once the church were raptured to meet him in the sky, then there's going to be no restraint. There's going to be nothing holding the Antichrist back. And he will begin with his work, his evil work on the earth. And so today, you don't have to be afraid if you're a believer. And I remember after I saw, I forget what they were called um, those movies I watched in the late 80s, uh, but they were scary, and 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 they they made it scary. I think because they understood that there has to be a spirit of urgency about these days that we're living in. And I remember as a kid saying, "There's a helicopter chasing a person running away because you can't buy or sell unless you have this mark." So someone stole food or something for their their family. And I don't remember all, but I was just like, that's really scary. And they had jackets that said Unite or United. And and that was the one world government chasing down those those people who refused to get the mark. You get what I'm saying if you were around back then. Um, But the beauty of it is it's not to scare you. It's to motivate you. And motivation is not uh, to manipulate you, to encourage you, to have a relationship with Jesus now while you still have the chance. Now while it will be easier than if you miss the rapture and then have to believe. And there will be great mourning in the earth. Did you know that? There will be great mourning. In Matthew 24, there's a reference to this whole end when Jesus comes and people realize we're not a part of this. We missed out. And I submit to you this. There's a difference between people who have heard the gospel and choose not to accept it? There's a difference because that's their choice. But then what about the people who just have never had an opportunity to say yes just because they've never heard? And that's why there has to be within you and within me a spirit of urgency, church. If, if the time is indeed short, what are we doing with that time. And my prayer is, you, you might still be hearing my words, but still be thinking about everything else I said, scared. I want to give you an opportunity before you we walk out of this place to say yes to Jesus if you've never had before. Just a few things as we close. Matthew 24, verse 37 and 39, we already read it, but it talks about How the people, just like in the days of Noah, they didn't realize a flood was coming. It took Noah over a hundred years to build the ark. Can you imagine? It didn't rain. It was not close to the shore. Why are you building such a huge boat? It is ridiculous, Noah. Are you crazy? You and your family, you're, you're weird. But they didn't see the flood coming. Noah heard the word of the Lord and responded. He built that ark like he was supposed to. He followed exactly what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to do it. And guess what? When the flood came, his family was safe. But it says in the word that every other person was swept away by the flood. Don't be that person today. Don't be that person who who sees something but doesn't respond. Respond. 2 Peter 3.9, and this is how we tie everything up. We're talking about a spirit of urgency in us as the church. A spirit of urgency. 2 Peter 3.9, one of the verses that gripped my heart at a young age says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. In the NLT, it doesn't really emphasize or expound on promise, Other translations would say, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Why? He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Or another translation says, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to repent. So see, this is the goodness of God. Jesus said, the time is short, but no one knows the day or the hour. Only who knows? God. Only God knows. But why has he not come? Well, here's the answer. Because God's heart is for the lost. God's heart is for the people who are walking in darkness. God's heart is for the people who have sight but no vision for their life. And have no understanding about eternal life. But see, church, this is the reason why we exist. This is the reason why we have not yet been removed and the Antichrist has not yet come. Why? He's willing that none should perish. He's giving you and me time. He's giving us time. And and let me tell you this, it's limited. It's not just, you know, okay, another, okay, okay. God has a prophetic time clock, and when it is time, he knows when. But he's being patient for you and for me. Spencer, I'll ask if you could come back to the keys. That's right. From shore to shore, he wants the light to shine. And that's why we did our whole series on let there be light. There is a light that shines in the darkness. His name is Jesus. And church, as we embark on this journey, this week of fasting and praying, may a spirit of urgency arise inside of not just the pastor, I'm already there, but inside each and every one of us. Some of us this morning, though, this message is for you to get your life right with God. And I'm going to invite everyone to stand to your feet today. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise to return, he's being patient. He's being patient. But even every good father and good mother, I mean patience, yes, is great, but I lose patience with my son. God doesn't lose patience, but guess what? The time frame will run out. And God's going to say, "Listen, I gave you time, but now this is this is the time." And if you're here this morning, all I simply ask, I, I could not care less if no one comes to the altar because I've done what I had to do. God said, be my voice and be my mouthpiece. I said, Lord, it's not an easy message, but I have to preach and I have to teach your people what the truth of God's word says. What will the world tell you? Take, Live for yourself and your own pleasures. You have as much time as you want. It's actually such a lie because you could walk out of here and have a car accident. That's what happened with me when I was 23. I never saw my mom again after that Sunday night service. She died in a car accident just like that, but guess what? My mom knew who her maker was. She gave her life to Jesus, served Him all the days with every breath that she had. Was it always easy? Absolutely not. I gave her a lot of trouble too as a kid, but guess what? She didn't have to worry about dying. And today... I don't know who it is, but I just feel the Holy Spirit prompt right now saying, there are people here today, and you're here, and you have a fear of dying. And I don't know who that is, but what I will say is if that's you, you need to come as well. And we're going to pray, and God is going to come and show you what to do. Now, if you're here, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and get right with Jesus, because that's, that's, that's like a formula. If there's a true spirit of urgency stirring in your stomach and your gut and you feel it here, I'm simply going to say this. The altars are open, and I'm willing to stay and pray with as many people as, as need it. And the altars are open. So if you're here and you sense a spirit of urgency in your heart, you come. You come and you respond today. And if you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, maybe you know information about Jesus but you don't know him, I invite you to come too. These altars are open. And Jesus will meet you with arms open wide. And that's it. It gets as simple as that. It's not about fancy music. It's not about manipulation. It's just, if you need Jesus, you come. And we will pray with you. And that's the call I give you, church, as we launch into our time of prayer and fasting. Time is short. We have no time to play games. We have no time to play church. We have to be the church. Can you say amen? And, and my prayer is in this week of prayer and fasting. We're entering it right now. But when we come out of it a week from now, we will not be the same. That there will be a new spiritual temperature in this place here. That we will walk every step with purpose. That we will not waste another minute of time. But that we will redeem every opportunity we have to say, Lord... If you can use anything, you can use me. Because I don't know if you understand this, but God has not taken us in the rapture of his church yet because he's not finished. Our mission as a church is not finished. So I I can't be comfortable just because we finished our building. I have to say, Lord, then show us. How much more do we have, is there in front of us to do? Because we want to do it. And this is my, my willingness as a leader, as a pastor, as, as a follower of Christ. This is my heartbeat. And as a church, may we say, Lord, show us your heart. Lord, even to the least of them, to the least of them, we will go. We will be your church, Lord, your hands and feet. The altars are open, but I'm going to close us off in prayer. I I hereby declare that we are entering a time of prayer and fasting, that we are saying no to the flesh and the desires of the flesh to say yes to His Spirit, yes to His Holy Spirit. And as we go from this place, church, know that it'll be a hard week. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to fast and to pray and draw near to God. Now he wants to do the opposite in your life. So know that every step's going to be a hard one. But as you run the race, run the race with endurance. And do it in such a way that you will make it to next Sunday as we break our fast together. I, I'm praying and I'm believing that it will be an incredible spiritual moment in our church and in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, we did not come to church for information. And not even information about the end times. God, we come for transformation. Because that's what your word does in our lives. So Lord, the word was declared And, Father, as we consider it now, as we go from this place, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts from complacency, from indifference, from inaction. And, Father, you would move us to the complete other side where we say, what else can I do? What else needs to be done? Father, I pray that a great uh, spirit of urgency would arise within us especially in this week as we fast and as we pray, as we seek your face, God. Your word says that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So, Lord, help us to put you first in 2018 so that everything else emanates from this relationship, from this action of putting you first. And, God, we trust that the rest of our year will be in the right direction. It'll be blessed, Lord, because we invested first in you. And so, Father, I thank you for every single person here today. Lord, help us to discern the signs of the times. Lord, may we not grow comfortable in our homes, in our luxurious cars and and technology and devices and all of these things. But, God, may we understand that the time is closer now than ever before. And everything points to this urgent Need of redeeming the moment. So Father, if there's anyone here today who feels unsettled in their spirit, who feels afraid even as that word came, Lord, you didn't come that we would be afraid and to have a spirit of fear, but Lord, of power, love, and of a sound mind thank you that jesus is coming back and we say as it says in scripture maranatha come quickly maranatha come quickly and so lord i thank you for weston road i thank you for every single person that is here today even if there's anyone visiting whatever church that they might be a part of and represent here today father may we move with a sense of urgency because we discern the signs of the times And so, Father, as we go, we have all authority and all power. We are your sons and we are your daughters. And we are not afraid. But, Lord, we walk with power and authority. Lord, you've given us permission to trample over the serpent's head. Lord, I thank you that you've given us permission to cast out devils, to pray for the sick and to see them recovered. So, God, the the Antichrist will just mimic that power but we have the true source of power which comes from Christ alone so father help us to walk this week in that power and authority help us to use the sword of your word that we have when temptation comes knocking this week and lord I thank you that we will meet you as we seek you this week and we seek your face we ask you now all this in the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen it's a solemn moment as we enter prayer and fasting it's a spiritual moment for the church as well and I I encourage you the last thing do what you can to shut the noise down this week shut the TV off power down your phone send a a message of people say hey what's up just say uh, I'm not using my cell phone after 5pm or whatever you decide but do what you must to quiet and and get rid of the noise in your home and in your life and fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll see what he has in store. Amen. God bless you, church. We will see you Wednesday night, Thursday night. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.